What is going on, New York Giant fans? Welcome back to another edition of the Big Blue in the Bronx podcast. Hope you guys are doing well. Hit the like button, comment, and subscribe. Turn on post notifications so you know when a live stream pops or video drops. Appreciate y'all coming back. Apologies if you hear my heater in the background. It's a thousand years old. Um, but nonetheless, the New York Giants won against the Eagles. And I get it. Yes, there's a lot of stuff that has come out from the Black Monday. We're going to get into that stuff. Uh, talk about a little bit of the recent wink stuff. I already put a video up on YouTube kind of detailing my opinion on everything. That has since changed because there's a lot of new stuff coming out. And it's it's really disgusting, to be honest with you. Because it's just like both sides are at fault. I'll talk about the Bobby Johnson firing. I'll talk about the Thomas McGahee firing. A little bit of Drew Wilkins. I mean, that kind of goes more to wink because that was wink's right-hand man. But... You know, it, it is what it is in that standpoint, but we're going to talk about the game just a little bit um, because, you know, obviously this is the day we're scheduled to put out a podcast about the game, and uh, also as well, I'll probably do this a little bit different next year because I know, obviously, you know, you get it out on Black Monday, it's a little bit better than if you get it out on Tuesday because sometimes firings can happen and those are a little bit more just talking-wise rather than a game that's kind of like dry slash old news, but... Nonetheless, the New York Giants won 27 to 10 against the Eagles, and you guys know me on Twitter. Um, and if you follow me on Twitter, of course, I wasn't necessarily too happy with the win because I, I didn't feel it meant anything towards next year, especially now that Wink is, you know, not gonna be the defensive coordinator. However, you spare it. To be completely fair, um, also as well, I also don't think that um, this Eagles team, right? I don't think they were playing at 100%. Now, guaranteed, this Eagles team, uh, over the last few weeks, right, they haven't been themselves. That's no joke. I can agree with you. But to lose 27-10 to 10 to the New York Giants, I'm telling you guys, they're going to be a better team in the playoffs. And everyone's saying, oh, you know, you're just mad that they won and all this other stuff. I mean, it is what it is. Who, who the hell cares, to be honest with you? Because the season's over. Giants finish 6-11. and 11. They finished with the sixth overall draft pick, and we'll see what they do with the quarterback position. Hopefully they change it, uh, or else the selling point is going to be uh, very interesting for next season. So moving forward, right, um, let's talk about the Philadelphia passing game. Again, we'll do stat breakdown, offense, defense, special teams, if need be, probably not. And then, um, of course, the snap counts. So the Philadelphia passing game, Marcus Mariota, a touchdown, a pick. 13 and 20, 148 yards. Jalen Hurts, 7 to 16, 55 yards and a pick. Uh, Terod Taylor, one touchdown, one INT, 23 at 32, 297 yards, one sack taken. Tommy DeVito, uh, 2 of 2, 14 yards. As far as the Philadelphia and Giants rushing game goes, Kenneth Gainwell, six carries, uh, excuse me, seven carries, 62 yards. Uh, Marcus Mariotti, six carries, 46 yards, and then it pretty much goes down from there. Six carries, 16 yards from Rashad Penny. As for the New York football giants, uh, Saquon Barkley, 18 carries, 46 yards, two touchdowns. Terod Taylor, eight carries, 38 yards, three carries, 19 yards for Eric Gray. Receiving game, Wondell Robinson, five catches, 85 yards. Darius Slayton, five catches, 62 yards and a touchdown. Saquon Barkley, two catches, 51 yards. Five catches, 45 yards for Darren Waller, Isaiah Hodgins, Shepard, Gray, and Hyatt also got in on the action, too. 
as far as the Eagles receiving game, Quez Watkins, eight carries, uh, eight receptions, excuse me, 93 yards and a touchdown. Britton Covey, three catches, 35 yards. Olamide Zacchaeus, two catches, 20 yards. Grant Colcaterra, two catches, 18 yards, two catches, 13 yards for Julio Jones. Then everybody else got in on the action with a target or a catch. Uh, as far as the Philadelphia fumbles go, one fumble, one lost for Marcus Mariota and A.J. Brown each. As far as the Giants, Michael McFadden, Fazizo Jolari both recovered fumbles. Saquon Barkley, he recovered a fumble that Terod Taylor fumbled. As far as the Philadelphia defense goes, two sacks, three quarterback hits, four TFLs, three pass deflections, uh, sacks by Ringo and Tupelotu. Uh, as far as quarterback hits go, Tupelotu, Ringo, and Hassan Riddick. As far as tackles for loss go, excuse me, Riddick wasn't the one with the quarterback hit. Uh, it was uh, Nolan Smith, but Riddick did have a tackle for a loss. It did two below two and Nicholas Morrow. Uh, Giants side of the football, five sacks, two by Ojolari, one by Dane Belton, one by O'Karakiu, um, also one by, J- by Jihad Ward. Tackles for a loss, uh, Bobby O'Karakiu with one, Dane Belton with two, Aziz Ojolari with one, Ashawn Robinson with one. Uh, five quarterback hits, so Dexter Lawrence got in on it. Thibodeau, Ojolari, Dane Belton, and Okereke. And pass deflection-wise, three for McKinney, one for Okereke, and one for Flott. Uh, sure, we'll go to the Eagles and make it a little bit fair. As far as the PDs go, one for Morrow, one for Reed Blankenship, and one for James Bradbury. Interceptions-wise, Reed Blankenship got an interception in the end zone. Off it's a Rod Taylor. And Xavier McKinney got an interception, actually two, uh, but one off Jalen Hurts and one off Marcus Mariota for four yards return. Now you take a look at the team stats. You go into it, right? First downs, uh, the Giants at 22, the Eagles at 19. 13 for the Giants, 9 for the Eagles, 9 rushing first downs for each team. The Giants didn't have a first down from a penalty, 1 for the Eagles. 6 for 14 on third, the Giants were. 5 for 13, the Eagles were on third down. Uh, they were over one on fourth. The Giants didn't attempt any fourth downs. As far as total plays go, the Giants 66, uh, two, uh, 65 for the Philadelphia Eagles. 415 total yards for the Giants, 299 for the Eagles. Giants had 12 drives, 13 for the Eagles, 6.3 yards per play for the Giants, and 4.6 for the Philadelphia Eagles. Red zone Giants 3 for 6, 1 for 2 the Eagles, so both 50%. Uh, three penalties, 21 yards for the Giants. Two penalties, 10 yards for the Eagles. And then four turnovers to one. The Eagles led that category. And Giants 32-57 to the 27-03. Four-time possession. The Giants led that one. So let's talk about the offense for a little bit. Um, and then we'll talk about the defense. And again, move forward with this stuff. Because it is a little bit of a dead water kind of subject. Water under the bridge. But the Giants played good offense, I would say, for the first half. Uh, the second half was... Not much of anything. It looks like the Eagles stalled them only three points. Um, but also as well, they did have that red zone opportunity uh, intercepted by Reed Blankenship. But Terod Taylor, I thought he played one of his better games in blue. Given whatever situation it was with the Eagles, whether they were full strength, half strength, not playing to win, all these other different things, Terod Taylor had a good game. And at the end of the day, he kind of was showcasing that he could still be a backup quarterback in this league. And I think he's going to get paid handsomely for a backup quarterback because you know he does have the injury history and that's a problem and he did get injured during the game which is why Tommy DeVito came in a little bit um but as far as Taylor goes I mean the arm is there like he did miss 
a few throws, but not as bad as the Rams game. His arm is there. The consistency is not. And I obviously think that comes with reps and all this other different stuff. Um, but, you know, hitting Jalen Hyatt uh, a few weeks ago against Washington, hitting Slayton multiple times, hitting Wandale Robinson in stride, who was a big part of this offense. He could still be a quarterback in this league, and I really hope he gets a job. You know, if the Giants re-signed him, as long as they bring a rookie quarterback in or bring a rookie quarterback in, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't have a problem with it. I know that people may be convinced Tommy DeVito is the future backup of this team or this and the other thing. I know Daniel Jones is going to be on the team next year, but I think the Giants still need to bring in a veteran presence uh, because if Daniel Jones is not ready, do you really want Tommy DeVito starting the first few games? I don't know. Um, but Terod Taylor had a had a solid game. Obviously, the pick was off and a few missed throws. But hey, listen, you know Terod Taylor. Hats off to him in a New York Giants uniform. As far as the running game goes, they really didn't get a ton going. Most of what Saquon Barkley got was off of short yardage runs. They were doing. Um, I, there was a couple of plays where they ran off first down. Like I was kind of pissed off, but you know there were short yardage runs, the third and ones that the Giants were getting. They didn't you know attempt to go for any fourth downs, which kind of tells you. Obviously, yeah, they knew they had this game in the bag, but they really didn't need to go for a couple of fourth downs because Saquon Barkley was getting the short yardage stuff. And I have to shout out, uh, before we get to Saquon Barkley a little bit more, I do have to shout out Eric Gray. Um, obviously, it was critical of the draft pick because he didn't look good in the senior bowl. That's where I got my first glimpse. I'm like, ah, I just, you know, this guy's a little slow. But he had some burst. He had some burst. Now, Granted, he had a 12-yard run, which was the longest of the day for him. Um, longest for Giants running backs. So you take away 12, so it's really two carries, seven yards. But then again, you could really do that with any running back. So shout-out to Eric Gray. And I feel like we should have saw him a little bit more down the stretch. They didn't play Matt Breida for a reason. It's not like he was injured, but it was the fact that they wanted to see what the future looked like in his hands. Now, do I think Eric Gray is a starting running back in this league? Fuck no. But I think he could be a solid two or a three, but the Giants need to give him reps. I, I just think that's just where it has to be. Um, you move forward a little bit more into the receiving game. Wandale Robinson, I mean, that 33-yard catch where he tripped himself up, that just shows, man, with a competent quarterback, he could be a little bit more explosive. And I actually think he led the Giants in receptions this year. The receiving yards goes to Darius Slayton. But I'm pretty sure he led the Giants with like 68 catches or something like that. Let's take a look. Receptions, 60 catches for Wandale Robinson. Just Slayton at 50, 52 for Darren Waller. But Wandale Robinson was at 525, 770 for Darius Slayton, which I feel like he's been around that number before. But, um, yeah, listen, Darius uh, Darry Slayton. Wandale Robinson, shots to him, man. Shots to him. I, I wish he would have gotten more touchdowns this year, but he – can be a very good two receiver and in the slot too if the New York Giants get a quarterback that knows how to throw the football, knows how to target guys, is not afraid to air it out. Obviously, you're not going to get Wandale Robinson going deep every play. Uh, that's just a once-in-every-seven-game scenario type of thing like they did against Green Bay. But Wandale Robinson, trust me, he showed a lot of promise this year. I think he showed more promise than the first few games last year. Um, obviously, he was coming off of that ACL injury, and that kind of hampered him a little bit. Darius Slayton, it, I'm so, like, just, I'm half and half with this guy because he does drop passes on occasion, but he has these big games like he's had the last three weeks, and it ends the season like, yeah, you think about it, it doesn't matter, right? The Giants did not 
in those three games have any chance of making the playoffs. But he had the nice reception against Philly, had the nice reception against the Rams, and he has a solid game like he did, and even a touchdown uh, against the Eagles. So, I mean, if I think he always has a good game against the Eagles. Going back to 2019 to where he had uh, two touchdowns with Eli Manning as quarterback. But, I mean, this guy could be a solid 2-3 receiver for the New York Giants. Now, obviously he's under contract for another year, so there's no debate over free agency. But as far as Darius Slayton goes, I mean, I would say he had a solid season, right? You know, nothing too special. Uh, I'll talk about Saquon Barkley because I know I missed that a little bit. But uh, as far as uh, Darren Waller goes, uh, very disappointing season. Obviously injuries involved and quarterback play involved. A few drops here and there, but, you know, I just think it was a disappointment. I would do that trade again. Not that I would knowing the injuries, but I do understand where Joe Shane was coming from. It was like, hey, you know, third-round pick, you know, knowing that the Giants, um, you know, were in a position to compete, and they didn't. But, obviously, hindsight is twenty twenty. And as far as Saquon Barkley goes, uh, didn't really have much to show in the game against the Eagles, obviously. He had the comments after the game, which you guys can look into. But we'll see if he resigns, right? We'll see if he resigns. It's going to be a good long few months. The Giants have uh, negotiations and all these other different things. The franchise tag. For some reason, I just feel like the Giants are not going to reach a deal and then just place the franchise tag on him. Personally, because it just it looks like Joe Shane's attitude is that. My personal opinion. Um... And I think that's as far as the offense goes. I mean, JMS didn't play. Andrew Thomas was Andrew Thomas. And the other guys, are, they're really not going to come back next year. I mean, Bredesen, maybe. Parrott, no. Pugh, maybe. And uh, Glowinski is probably going to get cut. Because you could save about $5 million cutting him. Uh, moving forward as well, right? Moving forward as well. Um, you talk about the defense. Then we'll get into the other stuff. Fabio Carrique finishes the year like he's been playing for the last few weeks. He's got a hot head of steam. And last week uh, against the Rams, he had two sacks, and he didn't have a sack to come into the season. Now he had, you know, now he's got, I think, three and a half on the season, or he's got two and a half, which is the highest of his career. And again, I kind of said that with the Wink Martindale videos. Fabio Carrique um, played some really good football in this scheme this year, starting in week four. And, you know, from there, it just went on with Bobby Okereke. And, you know, he's a real leader on this defense. He's a real leader on this defense, you know, plays really good football, should have been a pro bowler. So, Okereke, we're really learning nothing new, which is a good thing. Like, you don't want to learn anything new about someone who's already a pro bowler and all these other different things. I think one of the positions that the Giants will have to look at in the offseason is safety. And... Xavier McKinney made the case for a second contract. Now, I forget where he got the first interception this season because he's got three on the season. And he had two against the Eagles, one which kind of resembled against the Eagles and so many of the interceptions against uh, other teams in 2021 in that zone-based scheme with Patrick Graham. Uh, the interception off of Derek Card the second time, like basically... Receiver goes deep, cornerback is trailing him, then he cuts over and makes the interception. And um, obviously we were kind of missing that with McKinney, McKinney last year is the ball hawk mentality. He's got three interceptions this year, and then he bites 
uh, on the screen, and it works out for him because he gets the ball in his hands for an interception. Marcus Mariota just throws it, and boom, the Giants are in the red zone. Of course, uh, Terod Taylor kind of threw an interception, which kind of ended all of the hopes there. But, you know, just tells you, McKinney, I wouldn't mind re-signing him. I would like to see who the next defensive coordinator is to see what the potential fit could be. But um, as far as that goes, if they don't re-sign him, it's going to be an interesting scheme because, like, I would have been okay with Pinnock and Belton. This is just my opinion in a wing system, but now that it could be a more traditional defense, you might need McKinney back more than ever. Um, and Dane Belton, man, he's been a absolute just missile the last two weeks. Had a sack and two tackles for a loss in this game. A quarterback hit two. And also to note, he had the two interceptions against the Rams. So if you play him, and I get they did you know blitz him and play him in the box a little bit, but personally, um, if he gets the tackling stuff better, then you could do a little bit more with him. But I like him as a deep safety. I like him as someone in the middle of the field. I know he wasn't projected that way, but hopefully the next defensive coordinator could use him as such. Um, also, Aziz, a solid end to a miserable season for him. Most of his sacks were this game because he had half a sack coming in, I believe the half a sack came off the Packers, but he had two sacks. Uh, I think he also had a fumble recovery too when Jihad Ward forced the sack. We're not going to talk about Jihad Ward because who cares? But he's going to be edge two next year unless the Giants do something at the edge position. But personally me, I said this in the Wink video, the Giants will probably have to assess edge a little bit more now that they don't have a Wink defense where it's blitz, blitz, blitz. If it's a traditional defense, if it's a more passive defense, there's more of a need for an edge rusher more than ever before, to be personally honest with you guys. Um, and Aziz is not going to cut it. Aziz is not going to cut it because he's injured a lot of the year and his production was even just not great in this uh, system in the second year. And then Tibbs, a little bit of a disappointment, to be honest with you. A pass deflection and a quarterback hit. Not much impact, to be honest with you. Um, you know, obviously we love the 11.5 sacks, most since Leonard Williams. But at the same time, the consistency needs to be there. And this is what I'm talking about, right? Against the Eagles, against the Cowboys. We could talk about the Commanders all day and say, you know, all this other different stuff. Uh, but at the same time, he's got to show up against the rivals. You know, he wasn't consistent against the 49ers. Yeah, he did get the sack, but... Uh, you know, the 49ers are a big team. The Eagles are a big team. However you look at them and the Cowboys, those teams have been destroying us for years and we need dogs in the locker room that can be consistent. Hopefully Kayvon can grow consistent, but I mean, it, he looks like he's going to be a two pass rusher right now. Not a one, but a two. So, um, I'm pretty sure that just marks off the defense. I mean, McLeod had a pretty good game. Nick McLeod had a pretty good game. Not that a next defensive coordinator is going to take him seriously as a slot corner or a uh, outside corner, but he, keep him as depth. Keep him as depth. But it, it, he could actually go to another team because uh, kind of like the general manager and head coach coming in, if it's not his guy, he's probably not going to keep him. Unless there's something in training camp that they see out of him. But McLeod did a nice job. Um Forced a fumble on A.J. Brown. So, I would like him back next year. He's also, I believe, in the Pro Bowl, if I'm not mistaken. He might be a Pro Bowler uh, as a special teamer. He is not in the Pro Bowl as a special teamer. But he was one of the top in votes. Let's put that there. But, 
Uh, we could go to snap counts, then we could go to some of the other stuff. So we'll pull up Dan Duggan's Twitter for the snap counts just to, you know, get a lot of that stuff going. All right, so we finally got the snap counts here. The correct snap counts, of course. Um, so 47 for Saquon Barkley, and I'm talking total snaps here. 47 for Barkley, 67 for Andrew Thomas, uh, 67 for Mark Lewinsky, 67 for Ben Bredesen, 65 for Justin Pugh, 67 for Matt Pear, 54 for Daniel Bellinger, 5 for Matt Breida, didn't even get a rush. Uh, Jalen Hyatt got 9, Gunnar Olszewski got 1, 4 for Tommy DeVito, uh, 5 for Marcus McKeithen, that may have been on an extra lineman play or something like that because we didn't really see much of uh, Marcus McKeithen. But this is offense grade, so at, at least, you know, that tells that side of the story. Um, 34 snaps for Darren Waller, 46 for Wondale Robinson, 63 for Terod Taylor, 52 for Darius Slayton, 17 for Sterling Shepard, who failed to get a touchdown in his final game. They were trying to get him a touchdown. You could tell that, and the Eagles even knew that. But, um, you know, salute to Shep. Obviously injury-prone the last few years, but uh, hopefully he retires peacefully, enjoys his kid, and becomes a coach somewhere because he could actually be a good coach, my opinion. Uh, Eric Gray, 14 snaps, 53 for Isaiah Hodgins, which is pretty interesting. Um, and then we went over the rest of the offense, taking a look at the New York Giants' defense. We'll actually do percentages this time. Okereke and McKinney, they did not miss a snap the entire season. And they didn't miss a snap in this game. Uh, Dane Belton, 100%. Dory Jackson, 91%. 82% for Tibbs. 74% for Cordell Flott. 71% for Jihad Ward. 60% for Nick McLeod. 58% for Michael McFadden. 58% for Zizo Jolari. 57% for Dexter Lawrence. 55% for Isaiah Simmons. 43% for Ashawn Robinson. 40% for Trey Hawkins. Um, 40% for Rakim Nuez-Roches, 29% for Jordan Riley, 18% for Carlos Basham, 14% for DJ Davidson, and 9% for Darnay Holmes. So let's get into SeatGeek, which sponsored us, and we thank you, SeatGeek, for that. Um, they sponsor us, $20 off your entire order. If you're going to a concert, tailgate, or a ball game, $20 off with the promo code BigBlue in the Bronx. So, let's talk about this wink stuff, right? And we're done with the snapcats. We're done with the game recap. Uh, we'll talk about the coaching firings and all that sort of good stuff. So, Wink obviously resigned, quote-unquote, uh, on Monday after Drew Wilkins got fired. Now, all of a sudden, now, all of a sudden, it's he has not resigned and wants to take home the rest of his contract. And there's a lot of rumors coming out that he may have played the last eight games of the season like he wanted to get fired. Which is a pretty piss-poor attitude, if true. Because Wink, knowing he's a respected guy around the league, and also that the players respected him in the locker room, to basically say, yeah, I'm going to piss myself out of this job, it's a poor effort. It really is. And... I would be disappointed in Wink if that's the case. Now, here's why where I will come in and say that I think this is still Brian Dable's fair share of fault. You kind of knew, in some case, whether he did it on purpose or not is actually still up for debate because now that Wink was kind of playing the last eight games like shit, or at least pissing his job away, not that you know he put out a bad game plan or anything, but he kind of knew, hey... 
um, you know, I could piss myself out of this job and get a job somewhere else, or whatever the case may be, whatever Wink's mentality was. But I would still kind of like to see where this went wrong. Where during the Cowboy game, where before that, where did everything go wrong? Because this was a good defense. Now, was it all-star? No. But a lot of people, I, I hate that shit. Like, a lot of people are trying to downplay how good this defense was. You don't look at the stats. Like, everybody was so rah-rah about Patrick Graham. And then they said, oh, yeah, you know, his defense was good and all this other stuff. And then we get Wink, and we love the defense last year. The defense is the only reason we win games. But then he leaves. It's just like, oh, yeah, he, he never was good. It was just the turnovers. Okay, all right, live with that. And then next year, when we don't bring a rookie quarterback in, if that's the scenario, then we have nothing to look forward to. But I still think that there are faults on both sides. If Wink was actually halfway out the door and pretty much coaching like it the last few weeks, that's a piss-poor effort on him. i going to be honest with you. And you know what? I guess in that case... We want winners here. If you want to be here, be here. If you don't want to be here, don't be here. But also, again, there is that report that supposedly Brian Dable is a hard guy to work with. Now, we haven't seen any reports from players, anonymous reports, but that came from you know some of the coaching aspects, and obviously we've seen it where he's thrown the tablet at Daniel Jones and all these other different things, arguing with Saquon Barkley on the sideline and the frustration. So I, I definitely think there is some substance to wink um not wanting to be here and brian dable being hard to work with so the giants in my opinion i said this before i'll say it again they have to go out there and sell us a vision for next year you can't sell us the vision of run it back with daniel jones and just rely on a good defensive coordinator to do the same shit or better than wink last year you can't rely on that vision if you rely on that vision you guys should be out of a job personally me because the Giants fans are tired of mediocrity they're tired of bullshit they're tired of the sentimental stuff and you have to sell them a vision for a reason after a disappointing season to go out there and actually go out to that garbage stadium you call MetLife so again I know the two really shouldn't intertwine but there's no guarantee that their defense is going to be any good next year so bring in a quarterback to at least bring fans into the stadium and actually continue with this rebuild because you're not rebuilding if you're keeping some sentimental players. So let's go to the coach firings. Thomas McGahee, um, the special teams has been porous, porous uh, since 2020. Now, a lot, of, a lot of people will say, no, he's been uh, terrible since he came here. I would argue 2018, 2019 were the best years of special teams the last few years. Um, you know, we remember Cody Core and Antonio Hamilton and Michael Thomas. Those guys were some of the core special teamers across the NFL. Like, I get it, the Shermer years were bad, and, you know, James Betcher wasn't good, Mike Shula wasn't good, all these guys weren't good, but as far as McGahee goes, you look at that team, that special teams was pretty good as a unit, and I loved, loved watching the special teams. Riley Dixon was a good punter. Uh, Aldrich Rosas, he did step back in 2019, which was bad, and you could honestly blame a lot of that on Zach Diossi because he was old and he had an injury, but Aldrich Rosas still struggled. But 2018-2019, Cody Core, some of those other guys, they were solid special teamers. And then 2020, it just seems like everything went downward, right? You know, Graham Gano obviously came in good. Riley Dixon wasn't good. Um, you know, he wasn't good in 21 either. And all these other different things. And 2022, special teams was porous. 2023, special teams was porous. The first fucking play of the year, which basically set off the entire giant season, was on special teams. Let's be real. So Thomas McGahee... 
kept too long. The entire interview process to which he was hired by Brian Dable was actually pretty fucked up to where he interviews him and then midway through says, do you want this job? Like, you know, you're not going to interview anybody else. I mean, that's just a poor, poor way of interviewing, especially, you know, you look, you learn from those rookie mistakes. Now, Bobby Johnson, I was pretty much one of the first guys to say this guy's not a good O-line coach because when he came out last year and said, okay, yeah, we're going to stick more to scheme than to the player's fit. Everybody was like, no, that's fine. No, 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 I'm good with that. I'm good with that. I saw it on live streams. I brought it up on live streams. Everybody was calling me wrong and all this other different stuff. Yeah, how does that look now? How does it look now? The Giants gave up the most, second most sacks in NFL history, the most in the 21st century. I think it's like 86 or something like that, which, you know, obviously outside of those numbers, it's still bad. Right, Justin Pugh wasn't good. He wasn't good at handling stunts. JMS regressed. Andrew Thomas was already an all-pro. Okay, so let's not give him any credit. Ben Bredesen, yeah, he was better in 22, but regressed in 23. Josh Azudu and Marcus McKeithen don't know how to get hands on anybody. Evan Neal, that's the biggest one. Improved in the offseason and pretty much lost all of that improvement. Boom. When he came in with Bobby Johnson. And then Tyree Phillips goes to the Eagles for six weeks. Gets better with Jeff Stoutland. Who's one of the best court, uh, offensive line coaches in the league. And then comes here. And he's pretty much the same. But it took him going to another team. To get strength, conditioning, and actual coaching. Rather than... Like, how do people see that as a good thing? It's a bad thing. It is absolutely bad. I don't get it. But supposedly, the Giants are actually... Uh, going to put in a request to interview this guy, Carmine, Carmen Brasillo, excuse me, who is from New England. He's also from the um, Las Vegas Raiders. He was hired by the uh, McDaniels regime. He obviously got fired and now is kind of a, a free-reign coach. He, I believe, took after Dante Scarnacchia and has been the Raiders online coach since 22 and was a co-O-line coach and a coaching assistant with the Pats. But before 2019, he was pretty much a college coach. He is 47 years old, came from Duquesne. Uh, as far as offensive line rankings go in the last two years, they were pretty mid, to be honest with you. I mean, I have yet to uh, get some, I would say, uh, assistance in learning about him from Farrow NFL, who we had on here, and also Raf, who's in the comments section usually. Uh, about Mr. Carmen Brasillo, and um, they were ninth in pass blocking in 2022. They were 12th in that area in 23, and then they actually took a step back in the run block ranking to, actually, no, they actually got better in run blocking. They got worse in pass blocking, 17th to 14th in run blocking. To be honest with you, it wouldn't be a bad hire, but it wouldn't be a home run hire. Like, I'm looking at two guys. And we'll go into this in a separate video. I'm looking at Mike Munchak, who they should give a blank check, who actually wants to get back into coaching because he was actually a consultant in the preseason with the LA Rams. And Dwayne Ledford, who made Chris Lindstrom into a pro bowler over in Atlanta. And, you know, Jake Matthews, obviously, you know, he's been a solid tackle in this league, so you really don't put the development on him. But Dwayne Ledford as well. And defensive coordinator, I'm going to leave that for a separate video, but... The Giants are supposedly wanting to interview the DB coach from the Raiders, which is pretty interesting, to be honest, because why are we looking at the Raiders for all these different guys? Like, if you're looking at Antonio Pierce, 
okay, you know, we can talk about that. But Jason Simmons, I believe his name is, did uh, a couple of different things with the DBs they had there last year and the year before and starting to get some recognition. But if you're going to go after a DB coach, why not go after Jerome Henderson? I mean, um, you know, I've always said it. If Wink leaves for a head coach position, you kind of hire him. And also for the uh, impending free agents, we'll get into that in another video because I feel like there's going to be, uh, obviously, a video made about Saquon Barkley, a video made about some of these other guys coming back, and we'll make a we'll make a whole entire video about the impending free agents. But hope you guys enjoy this podcast episode. Like, comment, subscribe to all the good stuff. Turn on post notifications so you know when a live stream pops or drops. Definitely going to have some Giants content over the next few days. Definitely subscribe to the Patreon. We're going to have some articles out there talking about the Giants, talking about all these other different things. I appreciate you guys the most. Thank you for another great year. Uh, we'll see about the podcast episodes, you know, on Twitter, YouTube. If you guys are on there, please check the updates. But appreciate you guys. Talk to you soon.